it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 475 for February 11th, 2017, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. Well, I made a deal with Bart when he started his uh, two podcasts, Let's Talk Apple and Let's Talk Photography, that he would never have to be on more than every other week. But this week I tricked him. I asked him if he'd come on and explain IPv6 to me. Now, his first answer was that he did not understand it well enough to explain it. But, you know, Bart being Bart, that little earworm I place caused him to go out and study it. And now he is ready to explain IPv6 to us. Welcome to the show, Bart. Yeah, we sort of glad to be here. So we sort of went through three phases, right? First off, you said denial. I want to talk IPv6. And I was like, yeah, I'm not the right person. I don't know enough about it. And then I went, I could probably answer questions, though. So I'll tell you what, you come up with some questions and I'll answer them. And, and, and you were allowed to say, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was it. Yeah. So you were allowed to ask me any question you liked and I was allowed to answer, I don't know. And then I just sort of went, I still am allowed to answer, I don't know, by the way. Um, <laughs> and then and then I was just thinking about it. And I was like, OK, so if we wanted to structure this as the tutorial, then we'd start here and then we'd move to here. And then before we know it, I had show notes written. <laughs> well, you said you'd been wanting to force yourself to learn and understand it anyway. Uh, yeah, I've had... Like, I, it's not that I haven't known nothing about IPv6. I just haven't known enough about it to put it into coherent argument. And uh, as of this afternoon, I managed to make what I think is a coherent discussion. So let's see how well that theory worked out. Well, uh, it, I like to think I did you a favor, really, here, you know. I think so. I think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I've known enough about IPv6 to stop it breaking things. Oh, um, OK. Because I, at the moment in work, we're in a pre-IPv6 world, but the reality is modern operating systems consider IPv6 to be superior to IPv4. So modern versions of Windows will default to IPv6 if they think they can, and mm. they often think wrong. Uh, Linux has for ages now been defaulting to IPv6 if it thinks it's configured. And so what would happen is that we'd have a whole bunch of machines and network that all think it's okay to talk IPv6, but the actual network infrastructure wasn't yet IPv6, and so they would fail. Okay. And so I have learned enough. I I have known for quite some time enough about IPv6 to make it not break. <laughs> but that's, but it, that's right. not the same thing as being able to explain IPv6. Right, right. Well, let's back up a little bit here. And I want to give uh, everyone my understanding of IPv6 and where it came from originally. And then Bart will tell me I'm wrong and start explaining things. How's that sound? <laughs> okay. Uh, I was actually going to step back a little bit further, well, but you may as well give your, your brief. and Because yeah, it's possible people don't back. even know what we're saying right now, saying IPv6. So uh, the internet originally, or it, actually not originally, I'm sure there was a 3, 2, and a 1, but IPv4 means the IP addresses that you get that are a set of uh, four numbers like 127.62.27.8 that identifies you on the on the internet. And uh, but we were running out of those addresses because all of a sudden everybody wanted a computer at home. So then they started putting routers in houses and had this thing called DHCP where they could hand out. Uh, I'm sorry, NAT network ad mm -hmm. address translation, which allowed them to dish out internal addresses. So you could have 50 computers on your internal network and that still only looked like one to the external network. But then they came yes. up with an idea of IPv6, and it's got a bunch more numbers, and they use colons instead of dots, and that is the entirety of what I understand about IPv6. Okay, well that that's not actually a bad starting point, but let's let's go a let's step a little bit further back. Okay. So in Taming the Terminal episode twenty three, I gave you a big picture view of how the internet works, where we basically said that the TCP/IP networking model is a four layer model. The lowest level, you have the data link layer, which is where Ethernet lives and where Wi-Fi lives. 
And so the job of Ethernet is just to get one packet from one machine on the same network to another machine on the same network. Nice and easy. The step above that is the internetwork layer or the network layer. And that's where IP, all versions of IP live in that layer. So IPv1, 2, 3, 4, there is no 5, and there is a 6. Um, so they live in the internetwork layer. And the internetwork layer job is to get one single packet from any network from a machine on any network to any other machine on any other connected network anywhere, just one packet. And then the next level up, the layer three, is the transport layer. And that's where TCP and UDP live. And it's their job to get like an actual stream of packets in some sort of coherent, sane, sensible flow of information, like a Skype call or viewing, you know, or uh, you know, Skype would use UDP. Uh, a lot of stuff uses TCP. So basically you're sending streams of information. And then the very top layer is the application layer, which is where protocols like HTTP, FTP, SMTP, IMAP, POP, SSH, all of those kind of things live. So they're the protocols used by our apps. So HTTP relies on TCP, which relies on IP, which in our homes relies on Ethernet and Wi-Fi. Okay. So by breaking it into pieces, you're not trying to solve the whole problem. So People writing HTTP have no idea how TCP works, and they don't need to. All they know is that TCP has the concept of a port number and an IP address. And that's all they need to know to do HTTP. And the people using writing uh, IP only need to know how eth- you know that Ethernet has this interface and that uh, TCP has this interface. So everyone just needs to know how the layers talk to each other. No one needs to know how any other layer works. So where we're, our entire conversation today is in layer two. Our entire conversation is in the I, in the internet layer. Uh, which is where you get one single packet from one computer to any other computer on any other network connected to you. And there can be like 500 million networks in between. As long as there's a connection, IP's job is to get that one packet over and back. And that's okay. where IPv4 comes in and where IPv6 comes in. So that's, that's the So that's the internetwork layer, layer two. Layer two. Okay. So... You already gave us a hint of the backstory, but I'm going to be a little more formal about it. So IPv4 goes back to 1980. Um, it uses 32-bit addresses, which we tend to write as four 8-bit chunks. And I've misspelled four without the U in the show notes. Could you please fix that? I will. Um, and we write them in decimal form, separated by periods. So 192.168.0.1 is how we're used to seeing IPv4 addresses. Um, initially, IPv4 was actually extremely limited. So in that 1980s version of IPv4, there were only three possible sizes of subnet. You had a class A, which was something.star.star.star, and then you had a class B, which was something.something.star.star, and then the class C that we're also familiar with, which is something.something.something.star. And that was it. There was no way to have any other size network. So you could have 255 machines, 255 times 255 machines, 255 times 255 times 255 machines, and that was it. The only sizes available to you. So that was really wasteful in IP addresses, like spectacular. So you're saying that's wasteful. only that's how many machines could have IP addresses was 255 cubed? No. So if you wanted a network, you only had three possible sizes of networks. If you were going to apply for some IP addresses for your corporation, you could either have 255, 255 squared, or 255 cubed. There was no other size available. So if you needed 256, they had to give you 255 squared addresses because there was no other size in between. But 255 cubed is 16 million. Isn't that enough for right. any company? Yeah, but... No I'm saying, but you didn't need 16 many. million, but you needed right. more than 255 squared, which is 65,000. 
you had to exactly waste true. all those numbers. I got you. Right. Or okay. if you needed 300, you had to get 65,000. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Which is the bigger waste, right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. A lot. So that meant that there aren't all that many IPv4 addresses. And if you can only divide them into chunks of either 256, 65,000 or a couple of million, that's not a very efficient way of dividing up that space, which isn't right. all that, inf- you know, which isn't that, which is finite in the first place. Sure. And so we were, we would have run out of IPv4 addresses decades ago if we hadn't changed that fact. So in 1993, we introduced the modern system of variable size subnets, which is called CIDR, C-I-D-R, which is classless interdomain routing or routing. Uh, and this allows you to have what we're used to seeing, like bloody blast slash 24 or slash 23 or whatever. So if I want 500 addresses, I can have a slash 23, which is basically two class C's back to back. And so now you can give out IP addresses much more efficiently, and that allowed us to last a little bit longer in IPv4. <laughs> and then our home routers all became NAT, which means that you had one public IP address for your entire house, and you could have as many devices as you wanted, which you mentioned in your intro. And so that saved us a bunch more IP addresses. But even so, if we hadn't have done those two things, we would have run out of IPv4 in the 90s. We would have been out of it like two, de- two three decades ago. But we did do those things. So actually, we're still sort of living with it. But all the same, since 1990, the writing has been on the wall. Network engineers have known that IPv4 was not the final answer. It was not going to last us far into the 21st century. So they were working since then on a replacement. And the RFCs that make up the IPv6 spec, if you look at the dates on them, they tend to be starting in 1994 up to and including 1996. What the heck is an RFC? RFCs are the formal specifications of all of these things. It stands for Request for Comment. But it's not a request for comment. It's actually, this is the spec. So HTTP is defined by an RFC. HTTP 1.1 is defined by the next RFC. Like, okay. Just think of it as a numbering system for, for, for IT specs, because that's what it is. It's okay. just a numbering system. So you can talk about RFC, blah, 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 and everyone knows exactly what document you mean. Yeah, it's like how okay. we, we number laws. It's <laughs> the right. same idea. So RFCs are just the numbers. So IPv6 is defined by a bunch of these RFCs. And they all date to 94 or 96 sort of era. Hmm. So this is not nearly as new as you think, or as most people think. Well, I've been hearing about it for a long time. Exactly. And if it hadn't been for NAT, we'd probably all have been using it for a lot longer. But we do have NAT. So it hasn't quite come to the wall yet. But anyway, so IPv6 has been around for that long. And it came about. Now, it came about to solve two problems. A, there are not enough IPv4 addresses. But there's actually a second problem that it was designed to solve, and that's the reason IPv6 is already heavily in use behind the scenes. The core of the internet has been IPv6 for quite some time because when when they were designing IPv4, they were kind of working in the abstract. And they thought they knew how they'd like a network to work. And then after a decade of running IPv4, they realized that some of the decisions they had made in the abstract were not very good in the real world. And they'd like a do-over on certain things. And so on a really deep, nerdy level, the IPv6 spec is more easy for routers to route. It is more efficient to throw IPv6 traffic around than IPv4 traffic, so you can make it go faster. Why? Because it's more efficient. It's just the rules. Basically, every packet that comes into router has to be examined, and based on the spec, it has to do something with those packets. Okay. And the IPv6 packets 
are architected in such a way that routers can do that more efficiently. Okay. And so it is more efficient to move IPv6 data than to move IPv4 data. So I because... do remember when there was a day where they said, it's IPv6 day, and they invited all the companies to, let's just turn on IPv6, and we'll just do it for a couple hours, okay? Just everybody do it, and then we'll go back. Is that when it started, actually, everybody went, hey, wait, that actually worked, let's keep going? To some extent, that, that was an entirely a PR thing. It was very little oh. technologically happened that day. That was just a, a launch, right? That's... Oh, okay. You've you've been in corporate America. You you know how these things work. <laughs> the actual car wasn't built on the day it was launched. That was just the day the PR companies went, "Yay!" Okay, all right. Right. So that was that was just a PR stunt. So this is this has all been much more incremental. So right now, today, much of the internet backbone is actually IPv6. It's just that they haven't pushed it out as far as most of our houses. Some people's ISPs have, but most people most people's ISPs haven't, and that's because of the second problem it solves. So the the obvious problem is not enough IP addresses. The less obvious problem is IPv4 is harder to move around than it needs to be. And so they just did a do-over on some of their unfortunate decisions in how IPv4 works. And that's why ISPs love to use IPv6 for the ISP to ISP traffic that really drives the internet. That stuff where Comcast is connected to Verizon. I right, mean, just imagine right. the volume of data going through those kind of connections. Sure. They're almost all IPv6 now because it's more efficient. It's, routers can shove so much more data through IPv6 than they can through IPv4. Okay, so let's have a look at IPv6. So IPv4 was 32 bits, and we, we broke it up as four groups of uh, eight bits. Yeah, that works. Um, IPv6 is 128 bits, which means that the address space is... IP, the number of IP addresses raised to the power of... Okay, so every time you add a bit, you multiply everything by two. So you take 32 bits, and then you multiply that by two, 32 plus 32 plus 32 times. So the answer is there are about 3.4 by 10 to the power of 38 IPv6 addresses. So that should take care of us for a couple of years? That'll take care of us for a, an absolute... Yes. Okay. Yes, will. All right. If you took every IPv4 address, you could give each of those an IPv6 address and still only use 64 bits. Huh. And then there's another whole 64 bits after that. So it's the internet. Well, that makes it sound like this is only twice as big. No, it's cubed. It's, it's, well, you said we're, it's we're only going to use half. We're only going to use 64. We're going to use 64 no, no, bits you, worth. For every IP address in the IPv4, you could have a whole other one, as in, oh, never mind. I'm not explaining okay. that well. Okay, never mind. Um, Keep going. Keep going. 128 bits is an awful, 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 <laughs> awful, awful lot of space. Okay. IPv6 addresses are generally written as groups of eight hexadecimal characters. So, sorry, as eight groups of four hexadecimal characters. So, hex is zero to nine, and then A to F. So, zero is zero, one is one, two is two. And when you get to 10, it's A, 11 is B, 12 is C, 13, you get the idea, up as far as 15. By the way, is... I think I think I figured out a long time ago on my own why it's A to F and 0 to 9. Because you can type A to F with your left hand and 0 to 9 with a keypad on your right hand. Uh, well, it's actually just because it makes sense. Like they didn't, you wouldn't want to have 0 to 9 and then have it Z to Q or something. It's just Well, why not F. have A to Z? Why does it stop at F? That's okay, because it's 16 bits. You're trying to represent 16 bits. 
in one Oh, okay. Paragraph. So you only needed that many? permutations. But it that is cool that you can always write those addresses with two, uh, one on each hand. <laughs> it, that's true if you have a QWERTY keyboard. I don't think it's true of an Azerty. That's a, a slightly American-centric view of the world. Well, that is the only view of the world. So anyway. <laughs> anyway, so eight groups of four hex characters separated by colons. So the google.com have an IPv6 address and their IPv6 address is 2A00 colon 1450 colon 400B colon 0C03 colon 000 colon 000 0008B. And by the way, he met four zeros on those middle ones. But Did if I not I, say four? There were four. Not all the time. Yeah. But if if I uh, ping google.com, I don't get that address back. I get a, a, a an IPv4 address back. That's because you're on IP. You're using IPv4 to talk to them. If you if your ISP had I had IPv6 all the way to your desktop, you would get back the IPv6. Address. Okay. All right. Now we we'll get to that in a minute, though. Okay. Or not a minute. A minute. I'm going to keep interrupting. So, don't think I'm going to wait. That's fine. That's <laughs> okay. fine. I, I will get to all of your questions, and sometimes I'll say, hang on a minute, and sometimes I'll just answer them. Okay. That seems fair. So that's hard to say, I hope I proved. Mm-hmm. So there are two rules for shortening IPv6 addresses. So the first rule is all up to three leading zeros in any group can just be ignored. So that means we can immediately go to 2A00 colon 1450 colon 40B colon C03 colon 0 colon 0 colon 0 colon 8B. And by the way, he meant 400B. He didn't actually get rid of one in the middle there. Yes, correct. Okay. So all the leading zeros got on those three that were 0000, they just became zero. And the one that was 008B just became 8B. Okay, that's nice. So you can strip up to three zeros out in any little grouping, which is nice. But you can also, once within any IPv6 address, take consecutive groups of entirely zero and replace all of them, no matter how many of them there are, with colon, colon. Now, you can only do that once because it has to know where do I put all these extra zeros. If you have two colons, it becomes ambiguous. Sorry, two colon, colons, it will become ambiguous. So at any one point in an IPv6 address, you can take an extra shortcut and collapse colon, zero, colon, zero into just colon, colon. So actually, Google's IPv6 address is 2A00 colon 1450 colon 40B colon C03 colon colon 8B, which is about half the length of what we started with. So one of the things that nerds like to do is wear a T-shirt that says there's no place like home. And when Mm -hmm. a home on your internal network on on, uh, uh, localhost is 127.0.0.1. And because of what Bart just taught you... You can, uh, there's no place I come and IPv6 is colon colon one. Yes, it is. Which is too short, actually. So it's ironically, adorable. that's one of the IP addresses that's shorter in IPv6 than in IPv4. <laughs> See how efficient it is? Exactly. So in IPv4, when I say an IP address to you, you can't know. So on your home network, chances are you're using a class C network. So what that means is that all of your IP addresses have a net part and a host part. The net part is the bit that stays the same in your entire LAN, and the host part is the bit that changes in your LAN. So in a class C, the first three parts of an IP address stay the same, and the last one changes. On a class B, the first two stay the same, and the last two change. In IPv6, it's exactly the last 64 bits are the host, always. So they've stopped this whole variable length shenanigans. It is the last 64 bits are the host. And that's very convenient. I don't know what, what that means in looking at it. What, what do you mean the last 64 okay. bits are the host? 
because there are 128 bits. The first 128 bits tell you what network the machine is on. The last 128 bits tell, or the, sorry, the last 64 bits tell you what machine on that network. Oh, by host you mean the client? Yes. Oh, so you've a network. Host, host sounded like server. Okay. Well, gotcha. host is host is completely on the completely ambiguous a thing on the network. Okay. Okay. It could be my phone. It could be my NAS. It could be yeah. Okay. It could be your fridge. <laughs> it could Whoa. be anything. Or my TV that's getting spied on. Okay. Or your light bulb. Yeah, anything. Absolutely anything. That's the, way that's the, host, the word host is basically a generic gotcha. thing. What talks on the okay, network. Okay, so the first, the first half is the network and the second half is the machine. Yes. Whereas okay. IPv4, that was different depending on your subnet mask. So if you yeah. had a class C, then it was different if you had a class B and so on. Does that so mean forth. we don't so have IPv6, subnet masks? We don't need them in the same way. So ISPs will still use them to know that every IPv6 address that starts with 2A00 goes this way and every one that starts another way goes to that continent or whatever. So they're still used in routing. But as far as you're concerned, the LAN is always, every LAN, the first hundred, the first 64 bits are the same and the last 64 bits change. every, Every IPv6 LAN, it's just a straight down the middle network bit, host bit. Very, very easy. No more variable net masks. Okay. Wonderful. Now, 64 bits is a really clever choice of number. What else is 64 bits long? I only know because I can see the show notes. <laughs> MAC addresses. Your MAC address is a 64-bit number. That's so to review, the MAC address is the unique identifier of the network card on your device. That's something assigned and sticks to that device, except for hackery. But in general, yes, it sticks. It is, it is the identifier your computer uses when it's talking Ethernet. It is its Ethernet identifier or its media access control address. Right. So it ha- your your Wi-Fi control uh, chip has a MAC address. Your Ethernet chip has a a, a MAC address. Because Wi-Fi. Okay. So your Ether your 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 OJ forty five network card is Ethernet over copper, and Wi-Fi is Ethernet over the airwaves. They're both right. Ethernet. And then cellular. Uh, cellular You've got a MAC oh, address for that too. A whole bunch. What you do, you 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 do sort of. Yeah, let's not go there. Okay. Uh, All right. That's, that's really not there. Okay. Into bizarre protocols like PPOE and stuff. Don't want to go there. Okay. So now uh, we've got this address. The 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 host side happens to be exactly the length of a MAC address, which is convenient. So park that information. Okay. Now we are used to the concept in in sort of in our IPv4 world. There are exactly two types of IP address. There is 127.0.0.1, which is the loopback address, and there is all other IP addresses. The loopback address is virtual. It's pretend. It exists in software, not in hardware. And it allows a computer to talk to itself. And that is all it allows you to do. So if you have a database running on the same computer as a web server, and you want them to talk to each other, even if there isn't a single network card installed, it's fine because the loopback address is in is virtual and in software. It's just something the OS pretends I, I, exists. I don't know what a loopback address is or what it's for. One, two, okay, well, I'm explaining it. No. So 127.0.0.1 is the loopback address on IPv4. But what's it do? It's not a... What's it for? It allows... It allows... Right, it is a virtual IP address that allows the computer to talk to itself. Oh! Oh, okay. Okay. Right? That's its function life. There's no physical network card for the loopback address. It's basically a virtual network card that is the computer itself. Right. So a web server talks over IP, it uses TCP, and a MySQL database uses TCP, one of them on port 80, one of them on port 3306. 
if you have those two on the same computer, they could go through the internet and come back to themselves. But they could also just talk directly to each other by using this pretend network interface called a loopback address or 127.0.0.1. Okay. Which we give the alias localhost. Right. Which is no place like home. Which is no place like home. So there is no physical network card on the 127.0.0.1 address. It's it's entirely pretend. It's virtual. It's a made of it's a it's an imagined network interface that the OS just presents as if it was a real network card. So it's a pretend network card. So in IPv4 land, you have this one pretend network card, and then you have your actual IP addresses. In IPv6 world, there are three types of IP address. You still have the concept of a loopback address, and it has the address all zeros and then a one on the end, which, as we've learned by our two rules, allows you to collapse it to colon, colon, one. (laughs) So that is the loopback address. So that exists within the computer. That doesn't have a meaning outside of the computer it's on. Every computer has their own colon, colon, one. Okay. The next step up is something called the link local address. Ooh, this is going to get good because this is something I've seen in our uh, control, in our system preference for networks. There's a thing that says link local only, and I have no idea what that is. Good. Exactly. And that's where I, that's where exactly where, why we're going here. So the loopback address is always the same. It's colon, colon one, and that exists within the computer. The link local address is, there's a rule for it. Very simple rule. You, you you have 128 bits, and the ones to the extreme right, you put in FE80. And, sorry. What? I always get left and right wrong. Um, on the left, you put FE80. On the right, you put your MAC address, and everything in between, you fill in with zeros. That's the rule for your link local address. So basically, it starts in FE80, and it ends in your MAC address. And that is the IPv6 address you use that exists only within your LAN. So that allows you to talk to any other computer in your LAN over IPv6. And there's no need for DHCP or anything because there's a rule, my MAC address and FE80. That's all you need to know. So there's no need for any sort of infrastructure. Your link local address is just by definition MAC address plus FE80. I have my link local address. I can now talk IPv6. Ah, so in a practical sense, that means there isn't a little bitty CPU inside a router going, um, well, okay, I gotta, uh, I gotta give her an IP address, and I gotta translate that over here, over to there, because it's just always there. It's just always there. So if you turn on your computer, you it has to ask the HTTP server, uh, please help. I have no idea what IP address to give myself. In the IPv6 world, the link local address is just by definition FE80, all zeros, and then your MAC address. Okay. That means you can talk IPv6 within a LAN using your link local address. So it's link local because it's within the link layer. It only exists within your Ethernet network. Ah. But it means that you can talk you can talk IPv6 locally, which means that if you're in a Windows world and you're using Windows file sharing and you have two Windows 10 PCs, they're almost certainly using their link local addresses. Okay, hang on. Because IPv6 told is more efficient. You told us, it sounds like it, you told us that the link layer, it was the internet network layer that had IP in it. That's an IP happening I, at the link layer? It's an IP address that is confined to the same, it's confined to the LAN. So it's an IP address, so it's on the layer up, but it's not allowed to go enter. It's like an IP address with a... <laughs> so it's like one a, and a half. On a thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it, exactly. It is It is part of a layer two protocol. Sorry, yeah, layer two protocol, but it's behaving like a layer one protocol. It's okay. like, I am trapped within the LAN. Okay. And that's fine, because an awful lot of stuff we do is trapped within the LAN. So that means that if you have two Macs and they want to do screen sharing and they're both modern Macs, they probably both have IPv6 link local addresses, so they can do that. 
And they can IPv6 is more efficient than IPv4. So by default, most modern OSs are doing that. So that's why I said to you, there's almost certainly IPv6 traffic on your LAN because this link local address exists on all modern OSs. And the Mac prefers it over an IPv4 address. Uh, iOS prefers it. Windows prefers it. Everyone prefers it. So within your LAN, there's probably IPv6 flying around all over the place because of that. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. that's, so that allows us to talk within our own computer with colon colon one, within our LAN with FE80 and then our MAC address. That only leaves the equivalent of our normal IP address in IPv4 world, which in IPv6 world is called your global address. And your global address gives you your proper layer two stuff. In other words, any computer on any network to any other computer on any other connected network. The going across the internet bit. And notice so they call need to global. use more of them. You need to, they need to be globally unique and they do all this routing shenanigans about getting stuff from one network to another network. So that and does that mean it's not going to be FE80 on the left-hand side and your MAC address on the right-hand side? It, that is, one of those two statements is true, the other one is false. <laughs> it is not going to be FE80. Ah, but your MAC address will still be the right-hand side? With a, with a star next to it. Okay, I'll hold that. Yeah, don't worry. The ast- I'll, I'll take that asterisk in a bit. Okay. Um, so they called it a global address for a reason. Philosophically, IPv6 wants to get rid of NAT. IPv6 wants to return to the original idea for IPv4, that every device has a globally unique IP address and that they can talk to each other. So in IPv6 land, your house will have assigned to it a, basically, the, the 64 bits are for your house to use. So your house could have up to as many IP addresses, IPv6 addresses as exist in the entirety of IPv4 squared. Okay. So within your house, you have 64 whole bits, and then your house, because there's 128 bits in total. So you can have a public IP address for twice the amount of things that exist in the entire IPv4 internet before you run out of IPv6 addresses. So in other words, there's no need for NAT. Your telly can have an IP address. Like every chip in a bag of potato chips could have an IP address. And every cornflake in your cornflakes could have an IP address. There's so many of them. So in IPv6 land, the concept is that everything on IPv6 will have its own real, not NATed, not pretend IP address. So IPv6 wants to kill NAT. I prefer, for one, and not looking forward to internet-connected cornflakes. But uh, <laughs> one of the things that I, I understood from this piece, uh, from listening to somebody else, is that those IP addresses would be visible to the internet now, where right now your IPv4 internal NAT address is not visible. Yeah, so what's happening is network address translation, right? So your computer is trying to talk to podfeet.com. Your computer says, I, I am 10.whatever.whatever or 192.whatever.whatever. So it creates a packet, puts its own address in the from, and Podfeet's address in the to, and it puts it onto your network. And your router takes it, and it says, ah, from is this 10 address. Yeah, that's no good. It deletes the from, puts in the from address of your one IP address your whole house shares, and then sends the packet on its way. So it arrives at Podfeet is from the IP address of your router, not from your IP address, because okay. it's been translated. Right, And then Podfeet sends its reply to the IP address of your router, 
your router then scratches that out, writes back in your 10 address and puts it back on your LAN. So you're right. From the point of view of anyone outside your house, every single device in your house appears to be from your router because of network address translation. Right. For an IPv6 LAN, that goes away. No more rewriting. So the from address your computer puts on exists with that packet all the way to Podfeet web server and all the way back. So okay. the logs will show a unique address for your your TiVo, a different address when your phone goes. Let's say your let's say your Netflix. So Netflix will say that Allison has come from a unique address which is your Mac, a different unique address which is your iPhone, a different unique address which is your iPad, right. a different right. unique address which is your TiVo, all within your house. So let me let me stop you there for a second. One of my understandings of of the one of the benefits I understood from that was if I request from my Mac, I say, I want to talk to podfeet.com and podfeet.com sends a message back. My router is going to check to see if anyone asked for that traffic and will only pass it through if something inside the network asked for it. So it was blocking incoming traffic by the fact that it did that network address translation at the same time. So do we lose that? Yes and no. Right. So that that one way valveness of NAT mm-hmm. is not what NAT, is not a feature, it's a side effect. Okay, it's but we like that side called. effect. Okay, but we don't need a side effect. We can have that as an effect. That's called a firewall. <laughs> okay, a firewall so you can still have that rule. without that specific thing causing the the stoppage, yeah, the one way valve. You can have the one way valve by having a firewall that you tell to be a one way valve. So you're not having it as a side effect, you're having it as an effect. You, Mr. Far- Mr. Router, please add the firewall rule that says that only only traffic I start is allowed to come back. Okay. Done. Okay. It doesn't need to do, do it through net. Okay. Good. It doesn't need to do it through net. So we can I have it better. as an effect instead of a side effect. Okay. Cool. And I prefer that anyway. Good answer. Explicit. Yeah, not accidental. Exactly. Okay. Because my initial response was exactly the same as yours. Saying, yeah, but I like my one-way valve. And it's like, oh, yeah, hang on a sec. I like my one-way valve. Why don't I just put back a one-way valve? But instead of it being a, a screwdriver that happens to also be a one-way valve, it's just a one-way valve. It's, it's just, it's fine. You can have your one-way valves. No problem. So another side effect uh, that I heard about, and I'm I'm struggling to remember the guy's name, uh, Packet Pushers, the, the guy that runs that, uh, and I'm trying to come up with his name, said that another side effect is that your ISP would be able to identify for you which of your machines was sucking up all your bandwidth, which if yes, you it say would. it in a positive sense is like, oh, I didn't realize my kid was watching 24 uh, seven, you know, YouTube on her phone uh, and that you you have uh, you know where the leak was coming from if you did that. But on the other side, that sort of feels like they're looking inside my house a little bit. Well, then no, because I have no idea what it is, right? They could, they can just give you the IPv6 address, and it's up to you then to look at your devices and figure out which IPv6 address it is. They don't know what it is; they just know that it's a different address to the other one. Well, now they know the IP address and who and and uh, what they were doing on it, right? They know but that they it's always Netflix. know your IP address. Well, they only knew my one IP address, and I could say, I don't know, that was probably my neighbor. I don't know. No, but that's still true. If oh. your neighbor comes onto your Wi-Fi, they're still going to be using the prefix for your house. So the effect is actually still exactly the same. Okay. The only, the only possible downside, the only possible problem, in the bad, bad, bad old days, ISPs charged by the number of devices you connected. And they stopped doing that because NAT made them stop. 
if they are stupid enough to think that in the modern world we will accept being billed per device, they now have the ability to do that again. That just isn't going to float in 2017 and beyond. Okay. The only, that's the only possible downside is that they could, in theory, build per device. Okay. Okay. By the way, it was Ethan Banks from uh, Pack of Bushers who was on the Daily Tech News show. I want to give credit where credit is due. Okay. So let's, let's go look at these global addresses. So we know what they achieve, but how do we get them? Because they don't have a rule that says take FE80 and your MAC address and hey, presto, you have your IPv6 address. They don't work like that. So how do they work? Well, the first thing to say is that in IPv6 world, the ending is done in the same way as your link local address. The ending is your MAC address by default. And again, there's a hanging asterisk there, which we'll collect in a moment. So by default, the last bit is done by take your MAC address. So that still leaves us with the question of, okay, then, and what about the first bit? That's half the IP address. What's the other half? Well, in IPv4 world, we either manually specify our network settings or we allow DHCP to do it. And we, so we need to have a DHCP server running on our network to be able to get up and running, or we need to hard code everything ourselves. Right. In IPv6 world, DHCP is infinitely less important because your, your IPv6 router takes over some of that job. So in IPv6 world, what actually happens is when you want to go onto the internet on IPv6, you do a broadcast that says, hello, is there an IPv6 router on this network? And then the router answers and says, why, yes, sir, I'm an IPv6 router. And if you'd like to use me, then please use these 64 bits as the first part of your IP address. Ah, so, so the, the local router that you're connected to is what assigns your first 64 bits. Yes, and the MAC address makes the last 64 bits, so you're done. So every router gets a set of 64 bits that it's going to use forever? Yes. So huh. you could imagine a situation where Verizon basically say, sell you a router and they mm -hmm. give you 64 bits. Now, actually, the IPv6 spec says that you shouldn't give a house only one group of 64 bits. Because what if they want to run multiple routers? So the spec actually says that each house should be given 32 of these addresses so you can have 32 times the internet squared within your house well since you and i have three routers each we're using some of them right yeah, yeah we would be yeah okay yeah. now in the real world an awful lot of isps are ignoring the spec and giving quote unquote only uh, one group of 64 bits out to every house but that still leaves you with the internet squared number of local ip addresses which is probably so may, this might be an upper division question you can answer for me offline. But if you've got the router set up where you've got routers below routers like we do. Mm -hmm. Well, what you would then do is they would take their prefix from the very topmost router and they would use their own MAC address to give themselves an address. But then and they would then re-advertise that prefix to the people behind okay, them, so, which is also still fine because okay, their so, MAC addresses are unique as well. So it's still the top level uh, prefix would would float down. Yeah, I think that's how okay. you set it up. Okay. I haven't done it in practice, so we're straying slightly out of my um, okay. comfort zone here. That's my so goal. So if I've said something silly... Uh, <laughs> I want to hear you say I don't correct. know. <laughs> oh, sorry, I um, talked over that. Yes, but Bart does like to be corrected if he says something silly. Exactly, because that, that way everyone learns. Like, I like to... I, I don't want to be right. I want to know stuff. And so if I that think is I know one something, of my, I actually don't. That is one of my favorite things about you, by the way. I know you hate it when I compliment you, but that is one of my favorite things is you're one of the few people who actually is pleased. He writes back cheers when he's corrected. Who says that? Right. Anyway. 
that's also a bit of an Irishism. Anyway, um, so the router helps you get your global IP, uh, IPv6 address. And in fact, if the router has multiple prefixes, if the router has multiple ways of getting to the internet, maybe, it's conceivable that you might in a corporate, uh, you know, at the edge of a corporate network have a router that actually has two, set, two prefixes because two completely independent paths to the internet. If the router adver- answers you with two prefixes, you will get two global IPv6 addresses. Okay. So in IPv6 land, you will have, your computer will be colon colon one, all of your network cards will have a link local address and any network card that can be used for doing IPv6 to the world will have at least one global IPv6 address, but they could have many global IPv6 addresses. Oh, so that makes, makes my head hurt. Right. Concurrently? Have one for, yes. Every pre, so the, you ask, the, you say to the network, dear network, is there an IPv6 router here? If so, tell me your prefix. If you get back five prefixes, you will have five global IP addresses. Your MAC address plus the first prefix, your MAC address plus the second prefix, your MAC address plus the third prefix. What? Now, in reality, it's probably going to be one, right? But you can have as many, but that's fine. That's how it should work. That means that you have five ways of getting to the internet, five independent routes. Great. Good. Okay. Right? So basically, the, the, the process is you ask the network, what prefix should I use? And the network tells you. Okay. You take your MAC address and you shove it on the back. Hey, presto, you now have your global IPv6 address. All right. Now, what I'm describing here is not compulsory. That's what that's the asterisk I left dangling. What I'm describing here is called automatic configuration, which is the second option you will find in that drop down on your network interface settings. It's actually something called SAAC, SLAAC, or SLIC. I don't know how you pronounce <laughs> SLAAC. Well, however you pronounce it, it stands for stateless address auto configuration. Because there's no DHCP server remembering what IP address I gave to who. There's no brains here. It's just the router has a prefix configured, and that's it. That's the entire setting of the router. It also means that if if you're if for whatever reason we have to rejigger the IPv6 address space to make it more optimal, all we have to do is say, actually, Verizon, would you mind changing your prefixes? And that'll just ripple up through the routers, and then you can readdress very easily. Because again, the host bit is always just 64 bits on the end. And it's quite easy to tell the router, actually, I've changed my mind. Your prefix is now this instead of that. Wait a minute. And what I'm... happens if, if that is a a server that's being addressed directly by its IPv6 address? That all of a sudden the IPv6 address is going to change? Right. But you don't address stuff directly. You address stuff through DNS. So you'd have to change the prefix and update your DNS entry. Hmm. Okay. Nowadays, with the way IPv4 works, it would be a disaster. It, it would like the, the, you would have routing tables to update and all. It would just it would be a colossal mess, which is why the IPv4 space is the mess it is. And I, I don't know if you remember, but I think it was last year sometime we briefly had the IPv4 internet sort of vanish for some parts of the world because the routing table got so complex that it didn't fit into some old routers. Oh, jeez, you know IPv4 is creaking, right? Right. But you're not going to have that with IPv6 because you have this ability to rearrange stuff if needed. It was built in from, it's one of those things the network engineers wanted in their do-over. The ability, if needed, to readdress without causing calamity. We haven't needed to use it and we may not need to use it, but it's there. The ability is built into the, the spec, designed to be done that way. So you do, so that's SLAAC is the normal way of setting up IPv6 if you want to. If you are feeling particularly silly, you can manually enter a prefix and 
a host part of your choosing, just like you could in old IPv4. If you want to, you can do everything fully manually. And that explains the three things you will see in all IPv6 control panel speed, Windows, Linux, or Mac. So if you click on your Apple menu and go to System Preferences, yeah. and click on, say, your Wi-Fi or your Ethernet. Go into network, the network settings, you mean? Sorry, go into the network applet or thingy. Like a preference pane, I think they call Preference pane, that's the word I was looking for. Okay. And then if you click on the Wi-Fi or Ethernet or whatever you're having yourself in the left-hand sort of sidebar, mm-hmm. and then click the advanced button, that right. will pop up the advanced sheet. And then the TCP IP tab is the second tab over if you're on Wi-Fi. Right. And that will give you configure IPv4, which is probably set to using DHCP, and configure IPv6, which by default is set to automatically. Right. So That's that what means, mine says. Yes. So that means broadcast out to the network asking, are there any IPv6 routers here? And if they answer, oh. take their prefix, stick your MAC address on the end, and off you go. Okay. That's what that means. Should the I change option, it right now while we're talking? <laughs> well, what, it shouldn't make any difference because my ISP doesn't support IPv6, so we are talking over IPv4. Okay, but you don't know what mine might be doing. <laughs> right, but I know that we're not IPv6 because we'd have to be IPv6 all the way. Oh, really? Actually, no, I suppose. Actually, no, that's not true. <laughs> no, that's not true. Actually, you could. Yeah, never mind. Ignore me. Ignore me. <laughs> Uh, you could change it to manually, which means I will type everything. I will type the prefix and I will invent the last 64 bits of my own choosing. Or link local only, which is the setting I tend to use. And I'll explain why. Okay. So link local only means we have colon colon one and then we have the FE80 and my MAC address address and we have nothing else in IPv6 world. So if a router or if your ISP Tell your router that it's IPv6, but they've made a mistake on the back end and there's actually like a gap in the IPv6 between your router and them. What will happen is your router will advertise itself as an IPv6 router and every client that has automatic in their IPv6 settings will start to think it has an IPv6 address because it will take the prefix, take its MAC address, shove them together. And if there's a choice between going IPv4 or IPv6, all the modern OSs choose IPv6. So they'll try IPv6. They, the ISP has made a mess of their IPv6 implementation, a very common problem. And then what will happen is your computer will time out and then it will try IPv4. And so the symptom will be the internet is slow. You'll always get to Google, but it'll wait 30 seconds and then you'll get to Google. Or maybe only 10 seconds, depending on how long your OS waits before it decides that actually the IPv6 was a lie. But by setting it to automatic, if your router advertises IPv6, your OS will believe it and your OS will use IPv6 first. And if the IPv6 was a lie, your browsing will slow down. So, Bart, Steve and I just started talking the other day about this weird thing that has started to happen where we go to a website and it just pauses for a little while. And the little progress bar goes about a quarter of the way and it sits there in about 10 seconds. No, not that long, but a couple of seconds. Then also goes, oh, there I am. Is that what's happening, do you think? It's a possibility for what's happening. Yeah. So that would be because Frontier, our ISP, has enabled IPv6 and we have configure IPv6 set to automatically? That is certainly a possible explanation of those symptoms. So is there any way for me to look at my Frontier router or any of the 12 routers I have in between me and the Frontier well, router to see whether it's doing that? A simpler test. What simpler test is to go the other way around okay. and simply take a Mac that does this behavior, find the website that behaves like this, and then switch that Mac to link local only and see if the problem goes away. 
If the problem goes away, it's an IPv6 problem. If the problem doesn't go away, it's not an IPv6 problem. Okay, it seems kind of intermittent. Which would well, when you can make it happen, yeah. But ISPs are always tinkering around with stuff. Okay. So I would say when you can see it happening, that's the time to do your test. And then if you turn it back the other way, it should break again. And then you know for a fact that that's the problem. And if you can do that, if you can toggle that setting without fixing the problem, then the problem is something else. Okay. The other likely candidate is DNS issues. That your ISP is filtering your DNS queries or something and delaying them and getting back to you. And that's causing a slight pause when you try to go somewhere. Yeah, I suspect it's something else. I've been uh, poking around while we've been chatting to see when, if Frontier is using IPv6. And there's a whole bunch of people going, hey, when's Frontier doing IPv6? So maybe not. I got all excited, though. But anyway, if you're concerned that you think IPv6 is breaking things, change it to link local only. And then it's gone out of the picture. So what does it mean to say link local only now? We know what it link local is. Right, so it means that link local is the IPv6 address for talking on your LAN. Link local only means that's my only IPv6 address. You always get colon colon one. So that will be that will be saying even if Frontier turns around and gives me IPv6, I don't want to use it. Correct. Why would I not want to use it? Sounds really neato from what you've said. Well, assuming it's all working fine, sure. But I'm saying if you're finding that you have IPv6 set to automatic and you know there are IPv6 problems because when you set it to link local everything fixes itself but leave it on link local until your ISP sorts themselves out that's all I'm saying okay so it's a way to fix a problem but if you're not having a problem would you suggest people do that um it depends on right so on my laptops I leave it on automatic because my laptops move my laptops go from network to network and right now today most networks are what's called dual stacked which means that everyone who connects to the network gets an IPv4 and an IPv6 address but there is no reason to imagine that stuff will be dual stack forever. So there could be, there could come a time when you walk into Starbucks and they're IPv6 only. And if you have your IPv6 settings set to link local only, you won't be able to use their Wi-Fi to do anything. Whereas mm. if you have it set to automatic, you will. So on my laptops, I keep them on automatic because, well, they move. So let the network tell the laptop what to do. Mm. On my home machines, I know I don't have IPv6 to the world. Therefore, I know that I only want it on my local network. So I expressly set my iMac and things that don't physically move to link local only. So Just be- why wouldn't you set it to manually instead of link local only? Well, because manually means I have to invent a prefix and I have to invent the last 64 bits. That's actually a worse setting because if I invent a prefix, I have now made definitely broken IPv6 setting. But it also would mean it'll never use IPv6 unless you... Uh, I- don't think that's an option in manual, is it? Oh, I'm afraid to change it because we're recording a podcast right now. Yeah, and I only have one network card in this MacBook 12-inch, so I really am afraid to change it. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure manual means I will tell you what IPv6 address. Oh, okay. I don't believe there is a none. Okay, okay. The closest to none is link local only. All right. Like So, that, so yeah. Now, I also have some practical terminal commands I want to talk about. So if you would like to see all of the IPv6 addresses that are currently configured on your computer, if you are on a Mac, the command is ifconfig pipe egrep and then the single quoted string backslash b inet6. I can exp- Actually, I might see how much of taming the terminal you remember and see if you can explain that command to me. Hang on. So uh, single quote backslash b space inet6? Nope. Backslash B I net six. All so together. bin net six? Yep. Unquote. 
Yes, end quote, whatever you want to call it. I got it, nothing. Yeah. I have mm. config space pipe space egrep space single quote slash b-i-n-e-t-6 unquote. Yeah. I you nothing. copy and paste that. That really should work on any... Well, let's see. Let's do this live. I got to bring the window back up to see where you are. There's part. Just, it's just below the bit that says DHCP and DNS for IPv6. So I just pasted it into Skype there. Okay. I don't see it in your text, but... I have config. I don't see it in the show notes either. Oh, wrong slash. Ah. So it's the slash that goes to the left. The one one. above the return key on my keyboard. Okay. All right. So, uh... I have config, I know means go out and look, and then it's IP config on, on a PC, I think, right? Right, but the command is a bit different. IP config is similar, but not the same as I have config. Okay. And then pipe means to send it to, and egrep is a way of searching, and then something else in there might be that slash is probably some sort of regular expression or something. Yeah, so egrep differs from grep, and that egrep does Perl style regular expressions, mm-hmm. whereas grep does the old. Uh, crappy style of regular expressions. So backslash B means a word boundary. In other words, a space or a tab or the start of the line. Some sort of word boundary. Slash B means a word boundary, inet6. In other words, something where inet6 is the start of the word is what we're looking for. Okay. And the output of ifconfig is actually tab inet6 space something. So slash B will pick that up as a word boundary. Okay. So All right. So it's been a bunch of junk has- on my screen. Yes. So these are all of your IPv6 addresses. So the first one is probably colon colon one. Yes, there it is. Okay. Oh, and then, then there's some that say FE80 with some double colons. Are all of the rest of them FE80? Yes. Okay, that means that you only have link local IPv6. Okay. If any of those started with anything other than FE80, then you have a global IPv6 address and your router has given you that and you are actually doing the whole IPv6 of the world thing. Why if do you I don't have see so anything, many of them? I have like one, one for every physical network interface and one for every virtual network interface. And if you have any sort of VPN software installed, you have a lot of virtual network interfaces. Oh, I do. I do. Yeah, so my computers always look weird because I have OpenVPN installed. Yeah. Now, one thing you will notice is that OS 10 on an IPv6 address that's a link local address will put percentage sign and then the name of the network card after it. So percentage sign EN0 is the one for your main Ethernet card, which is your Wi-Fi card, probably. Uh, I don't see an EN0 on mine. I see. The first The first one's FE80, colon, colon, 1% LO0. LO0 is the loopback address. So that's going to be, that's going to be another, that's going to be a link local address for the loopback address. Okay. And then after that, they've got a whole bunch of digits. Yeah, and then they should end in percent something. And the oh, first there they are. That, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end, EN zero. So that's my that's probably my uh, my Ethernet card, my physical RJ forty five. Yeah, card. If your yeah, if your machine has one of those, it's usually zero, and then your yeah. Wi-Fi card will be one. And then a bunch I don't recognize. Then an EN seven. Holy cow! What is that? And there might be a U ton and all these kind of things. Yeah, a bunch of U tons. Is that the? Uh, yeah, that's your VPN. VPN software. Okay, interesting. And then so an if you run, percent AWD ten. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember no. what that one is. Basically, they're all virtual network interfaces for okay. the ENs. All right. 
So they are all your IPv6 addresses. And if you had real IPv6 from your ISP, you would have ones in there that do not begin with FE80. And they would be your global right. IPv6 So address. where did these come from? Were these they... are the link local addresses. They all, every, if you... What if created them, I mean? IPv6, your OS created them. Okay, so Sierra does Mac this... OS Sierra creates... MacOS Sierra is IPv6 native. It okay. is all right. It does IPv6. Okay. And so the moment you turn it on, it will create a link local IPv6 address for every network interface it has, be it a tunnel adapter or a physical network card or the loopback address. Okay. So, so if you're running, is, I don't know, um, Snow Tiger. Leopard or something, you would not be able to see this. Right, because that would have no idea about IPv6 and you would gotcha. only have IPv4 addresses. So if you want to see your IPv4 addresses, it's slash B, INET slash B. What? INET B? If you want to see your IPv4, it's the same command, hit the up arrow, and then just knock the 6 off and put slash B where the 6 was. Slash B. Hmm. The same backslash. Yeah. And that should show you 127.001. I don't know what I did. A 10 address. I didn't do that oh. right. Slash B, B, INET, slash B? No yeah. space? Oh, wait. In, I had an extra yeah, no space. quote. Okay, there we go. All right. Uh, yep. I got my uh, my home, 127.0.0.1, and a couple of IP addresses for my two network cards. There you go. Okay. So that's how you can see what you have configured from the command line. Because, hey, it's taming the terminal still in our brains, right? There you go. Well, the, so when the I, last thing... What, hang on. When I look up in uh, on my iOS devices, if I go into settings, general, about, I look down at Wi-Fi address, I get something with colons in it. But it's not enough numbers. It's one, two, three, four, five, six pairs of two digits. Well, if there's a colon colon in there anywhere, then it is enough. There's colon, not colon, any colon colons. Okay, let me. Okay, so you've gone into settings, general, yeah. about, and then Wi-Fi address. General about. To be honest, Bluetooth has one too with colons. Oh, they're MAC addresses, I think. Maybe it's settings, six general six about pairs. From a- about what? Uh, just uh, just in about. If scroll down oh, no, past videos and everything. MAC addresses. Well, that's your Wi-Fi MAC address. Oh, okay, MAC. okay. That so that's nothing to do with IPv6. Okay, gotcha. Well, except for the fact that they will be it used, would. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But they aren't IPv6 addresses. Um, okay, so something else we need to talk about is so I keep saying, if possible, modern OSs, be they Windows, Linux, or Mac, will go IPv6 first. Okay, great. How did the OS decide that? How does the OS decide whether or not it's possible? Well, the first thing it decides is, do I have a global IPv6 address? And if it doesn't have a global IPv6 address, then all bets are off. And so that's not really a difficult question. But if I do have an IPv6 address, a global IPv6 address, how do I know whether I should use IPv6 or IPv4 to talk to Google or to talk to Podfee or to talk to Skype or to talk to anything else? How does the OS decide whether or not IPv6 is, is, is in the game? And the answer is DNS. So uh, okay, we know that a DNSA record takes a name like podfeet.com or bartb.ie or google.com and turns it into an IP address. But we now need to start getting used to saying an IPv4 address. That's what an A record does. It produces IPv4 addresses. There is an equivalent record 
for any website or any domain that wants to say, and I'm available at this IPv6 address too. And that's called a quad or quadruple A record. So A-A-A-A. And so if a site publishes a quad A record, then it is saying to the world, I'm available on IPv6. Ah. So that, that big press release day was the day that lots of people published quad A records. Advertising to the world, you may talk to me on IPv6. Oh, okay. So they were able to before, but they advertised it by putting in the quadruple A record? Right. So the quadruple A record is, this is my IPv6 address. So an A record is, this is my IP address. And a quad A record is, this is my IPv6 address. Hmm. And so if your computer has a global IPv6 address and the website you're trying to go to has a quad A record, then it will use IPv6 unless it fails. And then if it fails, then I'll go, okay, fine. Do you have an A record? Oh, you do. Fine. We'll go the old fashioned way. Hmm. So the quad A record is vital. The quad A record is advertising to the world. I talk IPv6. Have a chat with me. So can I so make podfeed.com have a quadruple A record? Is that only if Bluehost, my hosting company, lets me? Or how's that work? Okay, well, for you, you can add a quad A record. You just go into your DNS control panel for your registrar, click add record. From the drop-down menu, choose quad A and type in a value. The question is, on what value? <laughs> and the value will be oh, determined no. by your hosting company. So oh, if... No. If podfeet.com has, if the server hosting your website has an IPv6 address, then yes, you will have an IPv6 address to copy and paste into that field and you can publish it. Hmm. However, I don't think we have configured your version of Apache to listen (laughs) on an IPv6 address. Okay. There's a lot of moving pieces to this. Right. So in order to use IPv6, there has to be an IPv6 address on the server that you want to talk to, because otherwise this show is not happening. And the the app that you want to connect to on that service, be it a mail server, a DNS server, a web server, whatever kind of server it is, chat server. If that app isn't also configured to listen on IPv6, then you're still not going to get anywhere because there's not going to be a connection. So when we set up your chat server, we said, listen on this port and this IP address. Well, if we wanted to make your chat server IPv6, we'd have to say, and listen on this IPv6 address on this port. And the first thing would be, does your server have an IPv6 address? And I believe, going purely off memory, that it does not. Okay. So you can't have a quad A record. So I have this feeling that a decade from now, we're still going to be talking about IPv4. The expectation is the two will live in parallel for a very long time. Okay. That is the expectation. But stuff that doesn't need... Like chat.podfeet.com, that needs an IP address so that it can have a DNS name. Stuff that doesn't need to have a DNS name is probably going to be IPv6. So your whole home could be IPv6 with very little effect. Your home doesn't have a DNS name. Right. It doesn't really make Okay. Okay. You know, one thing we haven't gotten to yet is why would I want to do that? Is there any benefit to me as a home user to turn on IPv6? There's a couple of possible benefits, actually. Yeah, so we'll get to that. I mean, I just want to finish up the DNS stuff. Okay. Being taming the terminal-ish, if you would like to know whether something has an IPv6 address, the host command, which exists on Linux, Unix, and Mac, will do that for you by default. So if you type host space google.com, by default, host gives you back three pieces of information if they're published. The A record, the MX record, and the quad A record. So for google.com, you will get back. Google.com has address, and it has one, two, three, four, five, six IPv4 addresses. I only got one. one. 
Oh, okay. Well, I guess, well, yeah, okay. Google have massive CDN, so everyone's going to get a different answer depending on where sure. in the world they are. From Ireland, I see six. Okay. I then see Google.com has IPv6 address 2A00 colon 1450 colon I have a different number. I had a different number when I did this exact same query an hour ago. Because the show notes, the example IPv6 address is what I got for Google then. I just got <laughs> okay. a different answer for Google now. Okay. Up to them. And then the next thing you have is Google.com mail is handled by. So they are the MX records right. for Google. So that works for any domain. So you can say host part B.ie and you will see that I only have an A record. I don't have a quad A record. I do not have IPv6 on my server. And the same right. with podfee.com. Okay. So if you want to check if something has an IPv6, host, name of website, enter. If you're too lazy to scroll through all the IPv4 addresses, you can also say host space minus T space quad A for minus type. And then you'll see that Podfeed has no quad A record. Okay. If you're on Windows, you can do the same, but it's not the host command. It's the uh, NSLOOKUP command, and the syntax is a little bit different. It's NSLOOKUP space minus Q equals quad A, Q for query equals quad A space, and then what you want to look up. And that actually will work on OS X too, because OS X has NS NS lookup, lookup. but it will, yeah. it will whine at you and say that you shouldn't use it, because it's been deprecated. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It doesn't My, you said NSLOOKUP space minus Q? Equals. One, oh, equals. equals. Yeah. Oh, I've really pissed it off now. Okay, there we go. And there's... Okay. Uh, answer can be yeah. Okay, so there is no non-authoritative answer. answer. But here couldn't find podfeed.com. No answer. Okay, I got it to work on Google.com. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of cool. Just sort of fun facts to know and tell. Exactly. So if you want to watch how many of the major things in the planet are beginning to use IPv6, this will let you watch. So does Twitter <laughs> use IPv6? You can answer that question very easily. Hmm. I actually, don't know what the answer is. So let me answer that question very easily. Let's check. No. <laughs> it does not appear to. Interesting. Okay. Uh, one other thing I want to mention is DHCP and IPv6. So on IPv4, we're very, very, very dependent on DHCP. IPv6, the way it works is the router gives you your prefix, and the router actually can do one more thing. It can give you your prefix and tell you whether or not there is any need to ask for DHCP. So if you don't, if the network doesn't have any additional information it wants to publish, then the DHCP bit will be set to zero and your computer won't bother doing a DHCP version six lookup. But the router can say, here's your prefix and please ask DHCP for more information. It's just a little bit that sets to zero or one. And hmm. so a DHCP six is actually a completely separate version of DHCP for DHCP on IPv6. So it's called DHCP six. So it can be used to advertise more information than the router does. I, I'm a little confused. Maybe I missed it in something you said. I thought we didn't need okay. DHCP if we had IPv6. Right, you don't, you don't need it for the basic network connectivity, right? So in other words, for who's my router and what's my prefix. But that doesn't tell you who my DNS server is. It doesn't tell you who my Windows domain controller is. It doesn't tell you what web proxies to use. It doesn't tell you what domain suffixes to search. So all that other configuration information DHCP lets you do in a corporate environment, like say what VLAN to put phones into versus what VLAN to put computers into. So you like still need VoIP. it. Yeah, so you can so you can use IPv6 DHCP to do all those extra things DHCP lets you do above and beyond what's my IP address. 
Okay. So that's why it still exists. It's not needed for the basic, what's my IP, but it's still useful for all that other corporates, for all that other stuff a corporate network might want to publish automatically to all of its clients. Okay. What if we want to have... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, it's the dynamic host configuration protocol. It's not only for your IP address. It gives out more information than that if you wanted to. Okay. All right. So what happens if you end up with a mixed environment? I've read a little bit about that. Yeah, we're almost certainly all in those. That's the norm. That's called being dual stacked. That means that your computer can do both. Okay. But can can I be on IPv6 inside my home network and Steve's on IPv4? Sure. Then you can't talk to each other unless either of you is also on the other. Oh. So the normal situation is both of you will be on both. Dual stack. Your computer has IP addresses and IPv6 addresses, which is true right now at this minute, because I just proved that to you. You have a whole bunch of link local IPv6 addresses and you have at least two IPv4 addresses. So that's with it set to automatic. Would I still have that if I had link uh, link layer or... What is Link it? local only. Link yes, local you only? would. You had exactly the same thing because okay. you were saying that all of your IPv6 addresses are FE80 addresses, so they are link local addresses. Okay. So you are, every modern OS is dual stack. You will have IPv6, and if it's the HTTP server answers, you will also have IPv4. Okay. In the future, it is possible we'll have networks that are IPv6 only. Mm-hmm. But the norm for the next decade is, is going to be dual stack. So you don't need any kind of a box to have these devices talk to each other, though? Some sort of device to... No, that's the whole point of Link Local, right? As long as there is a physical Ethernet, as long as the Ethernet packets can make it, so as long as you have some sort of switch to plug them into or airwaves to fly over, they can talk to each other. That's the whole point of these Link Local addresses. Okay, okay, but so let's... I guess I guess now I think I understand the answer to my question. Let me ask it anyway and then answer it. Um, okay. I had a really old TiVo up until just recently that had a wireless G card. I'm guessing that that bad mm-hmm. boy didn't have any understanding of IPv6. If Probably. I have both, I can still talk to it. Precisely. But I would be talking to it over IPv4, not IPv6. Exactly. Okay. And think of it this way, right? So we're sort of living in a world now where TCP has won the day. And we're, with this idea of having multiple protocols in the same physical network is a bit weird to us. In the olden days, you would have one physical network where all of the Macs were talking Apple Talk and all of the Windows machines were talking NetBuey. They couldn't talk to each other, but they were still physically on the same network sharing the same copper. Hmm. So IPv4 and IPv6 can share the same copper or share the same airwaves just fine. Okay. Okay. And that's called dual stacking. So if you have at least one of each type of IP address, you are dual stacked. And your OS will prefer IPv6 if both parties in the conversation can do it. And if either party can't, it will fall back to IPv4. So you showed us how with ifconfig to see those uh, different kinds of IP addresses, uh, both kinds, Mm -hmm. on our Macs. Can you check that on your iPhone? Uh, well, imagine the iPhone, you'd have to go looking. So let me, let's try. Uh, I would guess it's going to be not in general, but settings network. Settings Wi-Fi is where it will be. Okay. The settings Wi-Fi and then hit the I button next to the ne- network you're on. Okay. And that will tell you your IP addresses. I see an IP address. I see an IP address. I've got Does boot it appear IP. to show me anything about IPv6? Static. So but- either I am wrong in my understanding that iOS does IPv6, or 
Like the Mac, it doesn't show link local addresses. Because you'll notice that your Mac's oh. control panel does not show you the link local addresses. The FE80s are not shown in the sys preferences. Okay. They exist, but they're not shown. And I assume the reason they're not shown is because they're deterministic. They're made by an algorithm. They're not set. They're not chosen. They're not handed to you by a server. They are just defined by the by the rule. FE80 plus your MAC address. So there's not really any value in presenting them to you because they're derived. They're not set. They're not settings. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I did find a uh, uh, a site that shows a way to uh, test IPv6 uh, on your phone. And it's got some instructions. I'll, I'll send that over to you just to see whether... I think it forces an IPv6 sharing from your Mac. Like makes your Mac create your an IPv6. It, then it must... Yeah. Yeah. So it's internet sharing in the uh, control panel in the uh, uh, system preferences. So sharing internet sharing, and then you turn on, you make that be only IPv6, and then see whether the phone can talk to it. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I am almost certain that iOS does IPv6 because iOS is macOS under the hood. Okay. Almost certain of that. Almost. Okay. Well, we will not play with this one while recording. (laughs) No, definitely not. Okay, so let me see where I was in Mishunuts. Yeah, okay, so we've covered almost everything. So the yeah, so this concept of being dual stacked is quite normal. Uh, and the other thing we've already said is that a lot of the internet backbone is already IPv6, which means that when I'm talking IPv4 from my desktop to your web server, which is also IPv4, I'm telling you it's going over IPv6. Hang on a second, how? It's IPv4 on my end, it's IPv4 on Podpeat's end, but the whole middle of the internet is IPv6. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> wow. Exactly. There is a special mechanism has been designed to allow that to happen. There are reserved IP addresses which allow you to map IPv4 directly into IPv6. So to, to oh. take... you take you can't IPv4, do the other way around. <laughs> can't do the other way around because it won't fit, right? 128 into 32 will not fit. But 32 fits into 128 with a lot to spare. Right. 96 to spare. So there's a rule for doing that. If you, any IPv6 address that starts with 80 zeros followed by 16 ones and then 32 bits, the last 32 bits are an IPv4 address. Okay. So colon colon FF colon followed by the old IP address is the IPv6 address of the IPv4 address. I think you meant four Fs. Yes, I did. Okay. So the example I have in the show notes is 192.168.0.1 as IPv4 becomes colon colon FFFF colon 192.168.0.1. Oh. And they allow you to write it in the old way. That is part of the... Oh, yeah, that's got colons and dots. Yes. So you're allowed to figure out the hex value of those and put in the colons or for FF addresses only, you're allowed to write it that way. Hmm. Which is very nice of them, because I have no idea what the hex address version of 192.168.0.1 would be. And if I saw it, I would have no idea what IP address that translated to. So this way, it's e- it's obvious in both directions what's going on. And so this, colon, so colon, this allows your machine running IPv4 to go up to Google at IPv6, mess around and come back to you in IPv4. No. What it's <laughs> for is, okay, so my desktop is IPv4. Mm-hmm. Podfeet.com is IPv4. Mm-hmm. So end to end, we are having an IPv4 conversation. But because IPv6 is so much better, 
in between, in the middle of that conversation, my ISP and your and Podfeet's ISP have decided between them actually the whole Internet Backbone's IPv6. Okay. So they take they temporarily take that IPv4 packet, put it as IPv6, and shoot it across the backbone of the internet, and then go back to IPv4. And the address they give it while it's doing that, while it's masquerading as the wrong type of IP packet, is this colon colon FFF colon whatever. Okay. So it allows IPv4 packets to temporarily hop a ride on IPv6 and then hop off again on the other side. So hence me saying the whole internet backbone is IPv6. Okay, the IPv4 packets temporarily hop on, ride along as IPv6 and then hop off and get back to being IPv4 packets like they were originally. So as far as the two ends are concerned, it's IPv4 all the way. But the ISPs and the people who run the internet backbone, they temporarily piggyback it onto IPv6 because it's more efficient. Cool. Now, it is also possible to do the inverse. To have IPv6 travel over IPv4. Mm -hmm. And the reason you might want to do that, let's say that you are the kind of person who wants the latest, greatest, coolest everything. Mm -hmm. And your ISP does not do IPv6. Mm-hmm. And you want to do IPv6 because you you want to play in this playpen. You can do you can tunnel IPv6 over IPv4, and the way you should think of it in your mind is like a VPN. Now it's not encrypting the traffic; it's not about encryption; it's about physically getting it through. But it's the same idea. So you would install on your network a device which takes IPv6 traffic and wraps it in a tunnel, and you would need to have the cooperation of someone who owns another network that is connected to the internet and has IPv6. And they would run the other end of the tunnel for you. And your traffic would go into the tunnel, go over IPv4, and then come out of the tunnel on the other end and be IPv6 again. And so it's like a VPN, but it's sort of tunneling IPv6 over IPv4. So that means you need to configure something, and you have to have someone cooperating with you on the other end to be the other side of the tunnel. So So there are people who do that? Absolutely. There are services available that will allow you to set up these kind of tunnels. So if Hmm. you want to play, you can sign up, and then you need to run some software on maybe your router or maybe on like a little old PC you have lying around to be your end of the tunnel. And then you would configure the other end of the tunnel based on whatever the <laughs> website said to configure it to. And then in theory, you would have IPv6. So this is purely for the enjoyment. There's no other reason to do that. Well, there might be. If you imagine you're in, a, you're in some sort of educational institution and you want to have a lab of IPv6 machines because you think it's important for educational reasons. But unfortunately, your school is not yet on the IPv6 internet. Well, you can tunnel your way to the IPv6 internet, and then you can have your lab and teach people about IPv6 in the real world. Okay. Okay. So it's not entirely useless. And in fact, it's not entirely useless. It's quite, it makes a lot of sense. But for, for us as a home user to do, it's about playing. Well, Bart, I got to tell you, when I first looked at this, I thought uh, I was thinking some kind of high level fluffy questions I wanted answered, like, is it good? And that sort of thing. And, <laughs> and then I looked at your show notes and I was like, oh, he's going to take us back and we're going to go to the layers of the network. It's going to be hard. But it wasn't hard. It was uh, it was uh, it really, really interesting. And I think I understand it, but I can't promise that I will remember every bit of it. That's for sure. Well, hopefully the show notes will be enough of a mnemonic from now on. You know, the understanding's been there once. So hopefully from now on, the show notes will be enough to to refresh that information. <laughs> All right. Well, good, good. Uh, I, I like having the show notes for sure. I definitely go back and refer to your notes often. I will be keeping these in Evernote for my own use when I forget whether it's FE80 or what it is or what colon colon means. 
all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm definitely going to be keeping these as my little quick reference. So these are sort of my IPv6 crib notes. <laughs> I have to be honest. I I really, really often search for answers to questions that I find that it's in my own show notes where I had already written it up before. <laughs> I find a lot of stuff on partb.ie between taming the terminal and programming by stealth and the various other tutorials I've done over the years. I find a lot of stuff on my own website. And if it's not there, I find it in my own Evernote. Because very often I need to know something that I told myself sometime ago. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. Okay. Uh, oh, next week is me again, isn't it? Yeah. Well, one of the benefits of having you on this week was it didn't push out our uh, programming by stealth by another two weeks, which I didn't want to do because I'm having so much fun. Okay, good. So yeah, so we're back to programming by stealth next week, which is, uh, how's your homework getting on? Um, I'm going to start that any minute now. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I looked at it. Well, no, I looked at it and, it and it did look like it was, it was uh, consumable in a shorter length of time. So I dedicated most of this week to working on the, uh, on the new website that I haven't told anybody about by the time they're seeing this or hearing I've, this. I've seen a sneak preview. And I love it. Yay! Oh, I look forward to going up. Anyway, we should probably, we're terrible at stopping, aren't we? <laughs> we have too much fun. All right, Bart, we will talk to you again next week on Programming by Stealth. Excellent. Well, until then, happy computing. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. We are now supported by Patreon. So if you go over to podfeet.com slash Patreon, you can pledge your support to the show in weekly installments. If you don't have money to spare, I understand that. And it would be great if you used our Amazon affiliate links when you buy things on Amazon anyway, and a little bit of money goes to help the show. I love feedback, so please send me email at allison at podfeed.com. And you can join in our Facebook group over at podfeed.com slash Facebook and our community at podfeed.com slash Google+. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.